The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Well, before we begin this morning, I'm going to read a prayer of confession from Psalms chapter 51. And so you can uh, just quiet your heart and listen as I read Psalms chapter 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Uh, You can take a few minutes and offer your own uh, prayers of confession before we start this morning. Jesus, thank you because in your word you said if we confess our sins and if we turn from our evil ways, you are faithful and you always listen to our petition. And so we come before you this morning with our sins, asking for your forgiveness. And thank you for the forgiveness you offer generously to all of us. Thank you that no matter how much we mess up, we have a Father who is reachable. We can always go to you. And so thank you for loving us every day when we don't deserve it. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. And as we open your word this morning, speak to our hearts, convict us, Lord, and just pray for your presence of your Holy Spirit to move in us this morning. And I just want to pray for anyone here who is carrying a heavy burden, Lord, I just pray that this place will be a place of refuge for that person. Pray that whatever load that they're carrying, Jesus, that you will give them yours because yours is not heavy, it's light. And so 
May we enjoy fellowshipping with you and with one another this morning. Thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me try again. Good morning, Refuge Church. I'm only uh, sitting because I'm not allowed to put too much weight on my uh, feet. Started physical therapy, things are going okay, but like you can only put 50% weight on that feet. But it's like, okay, I've been working. <laughs> I, they don't know that, <laughs> but I'm feeling good. So. Thank you for your prayers also for all those who provided a meal for us and gift. We're just grateful. Thank you for everything. And so this morning, uh, we are still in our series, uh, Life, Death, and Everything Else. And our intro has been, wouldn't it be nice to have a wise teacher to help you understand what is most important in life? This is what you find in the book of Ecclesiastics. In this sermon series, you will receive a hard-hitting, uncensored, deeply thoughtful look at life, death, and everything else. The teacher takes us from the lowest despair to the firm foundation of a life built on God's command. And so the, the big question that I want to explore uh, this morning is if everything is meaningless, right? Because we've been hearing from this teacher, everything is meaningless. doesn't matter what he's been doing or what he's been saying. Everything is meaningless. So if everything is meaningless, is there anything to enjoy about in life? If everything is meaningless, is there any joy to life? Is there anything we can do to find some satisfaction and enjoyment to life if everything is meaningless? And the good news is there is. Because what we have is a gift from God. And so we can enjoy the fruits of our labor and you can eat, drink, and rejoice because everything we have been given is from God, right? And so I'll, uh, I'll be, we will be in Ecclesiastic uh, chapter 2 and in our passage this morning, the teacher talks about the benefit of work. Right? And so the teacher so far has been on a discovery journey. Because in, in the, in the uh, last part of chapter one, he was on a discovery journey to find meaning in life using wisdom. And then he started a journey of pursuing wisdom and looking at the benefits of wisdom over being foolish. And then last week, Daniel preached on pleasure, right? And so he looked into that. Is there anything meaningful about pleasure? And then this week, he's exploring something. And this is, is there something, there is something left after we die, 
right? Our possessions, they do not die. We leave them here. And so are these possessions that we also leave behind, are they also meaningless, right? And so we've seen him journey from discovering wisdom and the benefit of being wise and the contrast of being foolish. And then, is there any joy to pleasure? And then now, we're, is there any joy to what we have and what we owe? So my question for you this morning is, do you enjoy what you do? Do you enjoy what you do for work? I, I enjoy what I do as a builder. It's so very satisfactory to build something and see the progress every single day. Like, that gives me joy. I, I knew an office job wasn't meant for me, and I learned that the hard way. Back in college, when I went to Olympic College, I had a job at the financial aid office as a front desk assistant and as a scanner. And so if you know anything about working at the financial aid office, uh, you're like a tax collector because the student blame you for not having the allowance and everything. And so I dealt with angry students all the time. They were not happy. And I'm like, I don't like this job. And then the second part of the job was being a scanner. And so I scanned thousands of documents. That's all I did. I had a corner office in the back, put my music on and just scan and scan. And it was very monotonous. And so when you have a job that you don't like, you always look at the time. I'm like, okay, it's one, I'm supposed to be out of here by 3.30, you know, and I start scanning, I'm like, I'm not gonna look at the time. And then in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I've been working for about an hour now, now I can look at the time. It's like, oh, you've only been working for 15 minutes. Oh, it's gonna be a long day. <laughs> That job I didn't like. <laughs> Are you, do you have a job that you find so much joy in? Or do you dread going to your job? Some of you are like, oh, it's Sunday. I have to go back to my job tomorrow. Is that you? And so in, uh, in our passage uh, this morning, Ecclesiastic uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 17, The uh, teacher says this, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it, it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my efforts and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and then they must leave all their own to another who has not toiled for it, this too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving 
with which they labor under the sun. All the other days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. I, I, I will stop there. And so, let's start in verse 17, right? And so, the teacher started with, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. And if you don't like your job, there's a good reason for that. Because we inherited the curse of Adam. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, right after the fall, after they screwed up, and God was angry, what did God say? For you to eat, you will work your butt off for the rest of your life. Nothing is going to be easy, right? And so when the teacher here says, toil is grievous, he is absolutely right. Work is not supposed to be fun. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. And the good thing is there are some of you here who love what you do. Praise God for that. I love what I do. Praise God for that. So he hated life because it is grievous. And also, there's nothing meaningful about working, he says. Because everything under the sun is meaningless. Right? Because you, you can work hard. You can have dreams. And we try to chase those dreams and we fail all the time in chasing them. And so he hated life because some of the things that he wanted to achieve, he couldn't. That's just how life is. And then sometimes we chase those dreams and then we achieve them. And then what happens? They just disappear. Life is just like a vapor. Everything is meaningless. And so he hated life for that reason. And then in verse 18, he said, I hated all the things I had told for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. So it's not just that life is meaningless because it is grievous, but when we die, we will leave everything we worked so hard for for someone else. Unless if you're a pharaoh, I guess, you get buried with all the gold and all that stuff. But for most of us, we leave everything behind. And so when you die, who will benefit from all your hard work? Your children? Your family? Will the government take it? <laughs> who will benefit from all your hard work? Because when you die, you will leave everything behind. But that wasn't enough for the teacher, right? Because in verse 19, and he says, And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish? Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil, into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my labor under the sun, right? And so it's like, what kind of person will I leave everything for, right? Because this teacher, as we can say, is a very wise teacher. And so he wants to know what's the character of the person we're leaving everything to. Is it going to be a wise person? Is it going to be a foolish person, right? 
he doesn't say if it's better to leave it to a wise or a foolish person, but we can deduct that he would rather leave what he has to a wise person, right? Just like we, when we die, we want to hand over everything that we've worked for for our kids who are responsible, right, so that they can have a better life. We don't want to leave our stuff to people who just squander it and ruin all our uh, hard work. But it doesn't matter whether that person is wise or foolish. You still have to leave it to someone. And this is meaningless, the teacher says. This is unfair. And then in verse 21, for a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must live all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This is meaningless. This was supposed to be a feel-good sermon, so I apologize for, I promise it's going to get better, so just hang in with me because the teacher is not done. And so in verse 22, he raises a very important question. He says, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving which they labor under the sun? 23, all their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless, right? And so it's getting worse. So you're going to die and you're going to leave everything. And you might leave everything you have to a foolish person or a wise person, but that's not enough. Because while you're still living, while you're still working hard, you're not able to sleep at night. Right? Wealthy people, they worry about their wealth. They worry about protecting, preserving, and increasing what they have. And so... People like that are constantly worried about somebody taking that away from them. And so this too you have to deal with, Solomon says. You don't have any rest of mind. You can't sleep at night. You're always in pain and in despair. So is there any benefit to having any possession if that's all you have to deal with? So what then? What then? The teacher has failed with four experiments, like I've said earlier. He found no meaning in seeking understanding by wisdom. There's no lasting value in pursuing pleasure. And there is no advantage to being wise than being foolish. And now there is no lasting benefit to gathering possessions because all our worldly endeavors are meaningless. They're futile. They're like a vapor that just disappears. So what then? Is there any benefit at all to living on this earth, according to the teacher? If everything is meaningless, back to my question, is there any benefit to living life on this earth? And the teacher says, yes, there is. So this is the best part of the sermon. If you forgot everything I've said, you want to pay attention to this part, okay? In verse 24, the teacher says, A person 
can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their own work. A person can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their own toil. And so the teacher here makes a discovery while he was toiling away building houses and planting vineyards, as we saw in verse uh, 2, verse 10. He says, My heart found pleasure in my toil, and this was my reward of all my toil. So even though he described all his toil, all his work, all his hard work as vanity and chasing after the wind, it carried an unexpected effect. He received pleasure from his work. Right? And so going back to the Garden of Eden, before the fall, God told them to till and take care of the garden, right? Because God knew that they will find pleasure in working. That was how it was supposed to be after the fall. But even with the fall, the teacher is saying we can still find pleasure in what we do. We can eat and drink and enjoy the works of our labor. And so coming to the end of this experiment and finding no lasting meaning in life under the sun, he advises us, the teacher, to experience the pleasure of the present moment, eat and drink, he says, and find enjoyment in the works of your hands. Enjoy the fruit of your labor now. This is where we find satisfaction. And the teacher is saying, do not look for enjoyment in the future, unless if you're thinking of heaven, of course. That should always be in your mind. But find enjoyment in your everyday activities. Through eating and drinking and sports, anything you do that gives glory to God. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you, this idea might be making you feel uncomfortable because as Christians, we're supposed to be miserable, right? <laughs> well, if it's making you feel some type of way, <laughs> and if you're asking, why should we pursue pleasure after all? The teacher has an answer for you. Remember, this is not Ibrahim. This is all the teacher and God. So I'm just the messenger. And so in the second half of verse 24, the teacher says, This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Verse 25, For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? So as Christians, should we live miserable lives? No, because enjoyment is God's gift for us. As Christians, we should live the fullest life because of what Jesus has done on the cross for our sins, right? We should be the happiest people on earth, and yet we are the most miserable people because we don't like fun. But the teacher here is saying enjoyment is a gift from God, and so enjoy, eat and drink. It is a gift. Receive it. Enjoy it. This is how God wanted it to be. But, there's always a disclaimer, if you pursue enjoyment on your own, if you do not receive it as a gift, it will vanish like the wind as the teacher discovered. Instead, we have to receive 
enjoyment as a gift from God. Amen? Oh man, you guys are sleeping. We have to receive enjoyment as a gift from God. Amen? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) See, kids know how to have fun more than we do. Because that's why Jesus says we have to be like kids to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so, and this is how he concludes, starting in verse 26. To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And so he's trying to drive home the point that those who please God are those who acknowledge the sovereign God, those who receive enjoyment from their toil as a gift from God, those who honor God by being grateful for his gift. And on those people, God showers them with good gifts because people like that realizes that everything that's good in their life is a gift from God. Those people God blesses with more gifts. And I'm not trying to sound like a prosperity gospel, okay? This is all in contest to what the teacher is saying in Ecclesiastic. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and heaping only to give to the one he pleases. And so in this context, the sinner is the one who seeks the goal of life in himself and the goods he can acquire under the sun. Even though this person might not be wicked, but they have missed the point of the life God has given them because they just want to take and work and they think they can earn everything. Kind of like if you think you can earn salvation, you are going to be the most miserable person in the world, right? But if you accept God's gift of grace, if you accept all the good gift that God has blessed us with, then you'll be one happy person. And that is what the teacher is saying. Since all our worldly endeavors are futile, and since all of our striving apart from God is futile, we ought to find enjoyment in the gifts God gives us every day. And we ought to savor every moment and find enjoyment in the fruits of our labor because they are God's gift to us. And so, do you postpone enjoyment to a future time? Are you one of those Christians who like, I can't have fun now on earth. I'm going to wait until I get to heaven to have fun. Do you hate your job instead of thanking God for it? Do you look forward to retirement? You're like, yes, another 20 years and then I can start having fun. (laughs) Then the teacher is saying, that's the wrong way of thinking. God wants us to enjoy the fruit of our labor. When you work hard, you should enjoy the fruit of your labor, because it is a gift from God. The work we do is a gift. Eating and drinking is a gift. 
And so enjoy it now. Don't wait. Everything is like a vapor. If you're not enjoying now and you're waiting for retirement, you might never get to retirement, right? That's the vapor that Solomon was talking about. Don't wait. Enjoy the gift that God has blessed you with now. And thank God for the greatest gift that we have, right? Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we can be free, so that we won't be slaves to sins anymore. And that is the greatest gift that we have as Christians. And we can live in that freedom right now. Some of God's kingdom came with him and we're living in that regardless of what's going on in the world. God is with his people so we can enjoy the gift of grace. We can enjoy the gift of fellowshipping with one another. We can enjoy us traveling until we reach the end where we sit with God for eternity and enjoy his presence. And so what's the lesson this morning? You're not supposed to be miserable as a Christian. Have fun. Smile. <laughs> Take a trip once in a while. Eat and drink. Because they are all blessings from God. So pray with me. Jesus, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the words of the teacher, Lord. Uh, thank you for the truth that we have been exploring for the last three weeks. And thank you for the many truths that we will continue to explore in this book. Thank you for the life that you have blessed us with. May we honor you with all that we have. May we find meaning and joy in the fruits of our labor. And may we be grateful and most importantly, Lord, May we never chase everything on our own strength, but may we rely on you for all that you provide and all that you've given us. Thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we get to respond, uh, you know, through worship and through communion. And if any of you need prayers for anything, if your heart is heavy with any kind of burden, Joe Berg is going to be back there, and he'll be happy to pray for any of you. And so please don't carry any burden on your own. We love you, and we'll love to pray uh, for you. And then we'll also worship by eating communion. Every Sunday, we remember our precious gift of grace through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. When you eat the bread, remember the body that was broken for you when Jesus died on that cross. And when you drink the juice, remember his blood that he spilled for you because he loved you so much. He took all of your sins on himself on the cross so that you can be free, so that you can live life to the fullest. And so when you eat communion this morning, Remember that, and remember that you are bought at a price.